I'm going to pray right now because what I have on my heart to share today, it's uh, such a profound reverence in my heart because of what it's done in my life. So Father, I just, I just thank you right now. Father, I just thank you for your spirit. God, I just thank you that you would equip, I thank you that you've equipped me with the words to speak. God, by your spirit, you give me the words that you want to share with each person here today. God, and I'm so thankful, so thankful for what you have done in our lives. And we don't, we don't take it lightly for what you've done. And so, Lord, with just great reverence, great, and just great honor, we just thank you. May our lives reflect you in every single way. May our lives be a light that shines unto the world. May our lives impact the people around us. With your love, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so let's go ahead and just jump right in. We'll go to that first slide. So what I'm going to talk about is the great disparity. And so I have this little illustration here. And right there, as you can see, is us. And on the other side of, the, of this, uh, this canyon is the Word of God. And so these are just illustrations to illustrate certain concepts of, of, of biblical truths. And the idea behind it is that a lot of times in life, it seems sometimes that between where we are standing and what the Word of God says that is for us, seems it, it seems unattainable, right? It seems like we can't reach to what it says. And go to the next slide. And for example, this is just a really easy way to to bring this to the point is sometimes just one of the, and what I'm talking about is the many promises of God. And so there is like a rest that belongs to us. It says in Hebrews 4, 9 that there belongs a rest for the children of God, right? But where we are standing sometimes and what the word of God says that belongs to us seems like there is no connection. Am, am I right or am I wrong, right? And so we've all experienced in life, no matter what it may be, there may be a disconnection with what the Word of God says and what we are currently experiencing. And how many of you know that God is a good Father who wants us to experience everything that belongs to his son, Jesus. You know, there's an inheritance that we have in Christ that Jesus paid for on the cross. Like it wasn't a light price that was paid for everything that belongs to us. And you know, when I say the word of God, really, it's just Jesus. Because in John 1, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so when we talk about experiencing the word of God in simplest, just the simplest form is that we're just experiencing Jesus. And sometimes between what we're experiencing in life and Jesus over here. Now, like I said, it's just an illustration because what things may be perceived to be true. How many times can you know that that's not actually the reality? That there can, things can seem a certain way, but in truth, from an eternal perspective, there's something a lot more true than what we're currently experiencing in this life. And so, just some examples. I mean, Ephesians 1, 19 through 20 says that you have the, we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The sa it says the same power that worketh in him, when Christ was raised from the dead, is the same power that works towards us. <laughs> it 
So right there is a very simple way to see that. Are we experiencing the fullness of resurrection power in our life? And that's not to make us feel like we're not doing enough, but it's to show that there is infinitely more that God is always trying to present for us so that we can experience righteousness, peace, and joy, so that we can experience the fullness of Jesus and experience his life. And so 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. And so we could look at, well, that's over on the other side. Are we living this life as he is in this world, empowered with the Holy Spirit? Another one, John 17, if you read the prayer of Jesus, it's one of the best prayers that you could ever read. It's Jesus prays before he is to go to the cross, and he is praying for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers. And he says, in context, that the glory that I'm receiving, that they may have that same glory. That the love that the Father has for me is the same love that he has for you. Do you know that on the other side of this canyon is the love that God has for Jesus is available to each and every person who has believed on his name? Because we are his, we are his children. We are the sons and daughters of him. And so, man, imagine... <laughs> Imagine the kind of love that Jesus experienced. I'm not saying it's just an emotional thing because there's something that supersedes emotion. It's a knowing. It's a deep knowing. You know, you may not always feel in love with your spouse, but there's a knowing, right? There, there's a knowing. There's a relationship that is there that you don't go by how you always feel. You don't always go by your emotions. Imagine if we lived by emotions completely every day. Imagine the day you didn't want to go to work. I don't feel like going to work today. <laughs> I guess I'm not going. <laughs> You'd be in trouble. And so it's just a simple way to say that we're not meant to live by emotions, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about is the role of emotions. But here's another one, 1 Corinthians 13, when it talks about, it's the love chapter everybody's familiar with. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love never fails. Love believes all things. Love endures all things. Love is not full of selfish ambition. All these things that that love is. Like sometimes to experience that love, it seems like it's on the other side of us. It, there's a canyon and there's an abyss between us and what God is saying. You know, that love chapter is really, it's God is love, right? And we're made in the image of God, right? So we're made in the image of love, right? This When we read 1 Corinthians 13, it's not a standard that we are supposed to live up to, it's a position of where you live as a believer, that as a new creation, putting on the new man, that's righteous and holy. When you put on that, you're putting on love. Because we're putting on Jesus. And when we're putting on Jesus, we're always putting on love. Unconditional love that keeps no record of wrong. We learned about it last Sunday. And so, man... <laughs> You cannot love apart from God's supernatural ability and empowerment in our lives. Impossible. And so, really, I mean, the struggle, the abyss is really us really trying to do anything in our own strength, in our own ability. And so, that's just to kind of set you up that, you know, there, and, and that word, Disparity, when I said the great disparity, it just means simply just a great difference between what God has promised and what we are experiencing. And I think there is 
if I'm just being honest, I think there's an, epidip, uh, an epidemic in the body of Christ that what God's word has promised and what we are experiencing, there is a great difference. And I think a lot of times there's a great difference because we just don't know, right? We're just unaware. We don't, we don't even... We don't even realize what we're missing out on. We don't even realize what is at hand for us to just grab a hold of. I think a lot of times it feels like sometimes in life is we're got the carrot dangling in front of us. And we're always trying to, to, to bite at it, to get it, right? And I think what really all we need to do is understand that we can just grab the carrot. It doesn't have to dangle in front of us. And we do that by God's grace. And we do that by God's mercy and who he is. You know, I sure have not even come close to arriving in this. But what I'm experiencing in my life, give you Monopoly illustration, is I'm Moved off of go. <laughs> I've rolled the dice. I may have only landed on Baltic, but it's good enough for me right now. <laughs> and sometimes in life, we have this monopoly perspective. Imagine if you're my favorite piece of monopoly is the car, which I'm telling you, if you really want to learn how to walk in love, learn how to play monopoly without getting mad at each other. I mean, that will divide families and, like, broken homes, monopoly. <laughs> but imagine you're, you're one of the, the pieces in monopoly. My favorite piece is the car. If I don't get the car, I'm not happy. But imagine you're looking from the perspective of the playing piece. You see where I'm going with this? All you can see is what's the properties are, that are on that side, maybe, or the next property. But imagine as the viewer lifted up, that you can see laid out on the, the board, you can see every property that's ahead. You can see boardwalk, you can see park place, you get those, you're golden. <laughs> but a lot of times, I think, in life, all we can see is what's right in front of us. And I feel like God has the ability by His Spirit to lift us up, to change our perspective, to see the whole entire board. And on that board and on those properties are the promises of God that lay before us. And if you go, <laughs> and if you do land, if you do go through jail, you're just visiting right? <laughs> You're not there. Um, and so let's, let's show the slide with the bridge. The bridge between us and the Word of God. So really, just to get to the other side, right, we just need a bridge, correct? And ultimately, there's a couple ways to illustrate this, but again, we're talking about the Word of God, but you could also just in simplest ways to understand that, the Word of God also could represent the Father. And the bridge between us and the Father was Jesus. You know, I'm so thankful that John 14, 6, Jesus didn't say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to heaven except through me. You know it doesn't say that, right? Like, I think we automatically think it says that. But it says, I am the truth, the way, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we're always trying, we're, we're not, we're, it's all about entering into relationship with our Father through Jesus who was the bridge. But this bridge that I'm talking about in context of the Word of God, of experiencing the fullness of Jesus in our lives, this bridge is an understanding that unlocked my whole entire life. And so what I'm going to share with you today is a testimony, part of my testimony, a lot of you guys have heard it, 
But I struggled with substance abuse from the age of 15 to 21 with hardcore drugs such as methamphetamines and struggled in life with having no direction or purpose. And last time I ministered, I talked about how I um, almost went into the Marine Corps. I was looking for direction in my life. And I was in this place, I, I mean, I was... So I was born again at the age of 14. And you know, the funny thing is, and it's not, it's not to diss or bash church, but nobody ever told me really who I was in Christ. Nobody ever, if they did, it wasn't a primary focus of focusing on my identity. So I was born, at, born again at the age of 14, grew up in church, and didn't have a clue who I was. And the only thing that I really ever even remember about going to church was them talking about uh, in Sunday school, you know, how what is going too far in a relationship. That's all I really remember. I don't really remember Jesus being talked about and who we are in Christ. And so in my life, I'm 21 years old, and I had just lost a friend that I grew up with, the heroin overdose, um, and was real, and everybody, all the friends continued to live as if nothing happened, continued to party and live their lives just the same, and nobody cared, and that was like really like discouraging to me. I couldn't understand why we would, somebody would lose their life and then we would all pretend like our lives, we just carry on. It was just very eye-opening, right? Y'all know those experiences where you think people care and they, you find out they don't really care. So I began a really deep and inner search for me. And... My father had a big part to play in this where he started to understand the love of God and started to love me with unconditional love and I would come home very strongly under the influence of many drugs, um, sometimes not even coherent, and he began to love me with an unconditional love and it changed my life. And what it did was it planted seeds in me for my heart to be open to receive truth. I want to encourage you that un love never fails. And you love somebody with God's kind of love. You may not see the outward effects of it right away. You hear me? But his love is a seed that never fails. And so when you plant that seed, you may not see. Stop. <laughs> when you plant unconditional love, let's quit going and and, and uh, digging that thing up to see if it's growing, right? Because if you dig up something after you plant it, how many, know, how many of you know that you're going to hinder its growth and you're going to keep it from sprouting up? And so that's the part of faith that when we plant love, we believe and trust that his word is true and that his, his love never fails. And so that's what happened in my life as I began to experience this kind of love in my life from my father. I'm so thankful that it happened like this. But what it did was it opened my heart to listen to truth. And the truth that I heard was the type, I listened to a man by the name of Andrew Walmack. And, and this, today Sunday is a whole lead up. Me and my wife, we are starting uh, a 24-week Bible study on Sunday evenings on this topic, on this subject, called Spirit, Soul, and Body. And I'm going to walk you through and, and teach this to the best of God's ability in me to help you understand this truth. But what this truth ultimately did in my life was to help me understand that my actions of substance abuse and the way that I was living was not who I was. It was not my identity. Right? But that has to be a revelation. That has to be a Holy Spirit-inspired revelation because I can say that. I could, go, I could go to the nearest rehab and tell a bunch of people this, 
But unless the, it's revealed by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to transform the heart. And because love had been planted in my life, my heart was open to receive God's word and God's truth. See, love conditions the soil of our heart to experience every promise that God has for us, right? And I'm in a place where nothing, I'm breathing air, that was good. I mean, I was healthy, that was fantastic, but I didn't have zero direction, zero purpose, zero uh, just initiative for life or anything. And this truth comes along and says, this is not who you are. And it broke it down to help me understand who I really was in Christ. And I can tell you, when I heard that truth, changed everything. It opened my heart to, to cry out to him and reach out to him and say, Father, I, I need you in my life. I need to experience you. And I just believe that whatever you have for me, I just receive it right now by faith. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't even have a clue. And you know what God did with that prayer? Was he, in the next three hours, he just overwhelmed me with his love and his peace and his acceptance. Literally, at my worst, God gave me his best. And it transformed my life forever. I'm, I'm here standing today because of it. Like I, there, I'm the only one out of my whole group of friends that never went to jail or never got arrested. And I don't know how all that stuff works, but I know that this truth, it transforms your life if you put, if you, if you plant it in your heart. And so I lost the desire to ever use again. I did use one more time after, after this happened, but God, my desires had changed because I recognized that I wasn't that person anymore. And it wasn't condemnation, and it wasn't guilt, and it wasn't shame. It was the small, still voice of a father saying, my son, not who you are. You're a different man. You're a son. I was like, yes, I am a son. <laughs> and it was a process for me, but I chose because of this truth and the love that I experienced that no matter what my life was reflecting, that this was more true than what I was currently experiencing. And I still had, mo uh, just being transparent, I still had moments, and we still all have moments, right? Where we stumble, we fall. And I would find in the moments that I would stumble and fall, I would go to the mirror and I would talk to myself. And I would, yeah. <laughs> hey, show yourself approved. That's what the Word of God is for. It says, use this Word of God to show yourself approved. And so what I did is I would, I just stumbled and, and, and felt, terrible and at my worst and I'd go to the mirror and I would declare this is who God says that I am that I'm a son that I'm a new creation that he calls me righteous that he calls me holy because of his spirit that's on the inside of me and when we can understand and get a revelation of this truth it changes the desires of our hearts See, I'm, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I'm convinced if we're, not hunger, if we're not hungry and we're not thirsty for righteousness, we haven't tasted of it. Chris was telling me a story about some friends of his who didn't have a Chick-fil-A. The closest Chick-fil-A was four hours away. <laughs> and everybody convinced them how good it was, and they eventually drove and, and tasted and saw that it was good. <laughs> and they drove back. Now we take for granted, we got Chick-fil-A. I'm not driving for, I'm sorry, I'm not driving four hours to a Chick-fil-A. But once you've tasted of the Lord's goodness, 
You'll, you'll be hungry. You'll be thirsty. I think we do have a disparity because we don't realize what's available to us. You know, it's, it's all these beatitudes from Jesus are astounding. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And we think, well, I'm not poor in spirit. It's, it's an attitude, it's a position, it's a perspective that you understand that, see, yeah, you have, we have the fullness of Christ, the fullness of His Spirit when we say yes to Him. But we have to know and wake up each day knowing that we need Him. God, that the position of our hearts and the posture of our hearts has to be bowed down before him with our knees to the ground, recognizing that he is our source for everything that we need. So when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, you tell you what, I'm going to be poor in spirit because I want to experience the kingdom. Understanding that I already have everything that he's offered to me through through his cross, through his resurrection, but I want to carry an attitude each day knowing that I need him. I don't want to be blind. I don't want, I want my eyes to be open to see that each day, you know what? Today is the happiest day of my life because I know I'm better than I did yesterday. And tomorrow will be the happiest day of my life because tomorrow I'm going to know him better than I did today. But it starts with waking up and knowing your why. Because the why that we have is that we live to know him and to make him known. And when we've tasted of him, of his goodness, man, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be ravaging hungry. We'll be hungry like we haven't eaten for days. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5. Man. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Say, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. O my soul. And it says, and forget not all his benefits. Okay, you could. All right, I'll read now. Thank you. Who forgives all, our, all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is Old Testament, people. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's awesome. You know that we live in a better and new covenant that Jesus provided through his blood and paid for? How much better can Jesus do? And that's just to show us that, yeah, that's, that's the promise of the word of God. You even... Look at the root word of salvation, which is sozo. And actually it means to be rescued, delivered, healed, made whole. It's all those things. And so salvation is not just our ticket to heaven. <clears throat> salvation is for the believer, to, for heaven to come inside of the believer. So that we can experience and walk in the fullness that God has provided through Jesus Christ. It says, for we are complete in him, Colossians 2.10. Complete meaning we are full, so full that it's crammed in there. There's no more room for anything else that we're complete in him. We're so full of Jesus, we ought to be oozing him out everywhere that we go. <laughs> we don't leak Holy Spirit. We don't leak God. It's all a matter of what we believe, who he is and who he is in us. A lot of people don't have a problem with believing what God can do. The problem lies a lot of times believing what God can do through us. 
And so it's so important for us to know our identity. I have to really get going here. Okay, so I have a question. What changed when we were born again? That's the question. It's a really good question to ask yourself. Because how you answer this question will honestly determine the path of your faith. It's such an important, and you know, and I asked the teenagers this uh, a couple weeks ago, and their, their responses were good, but it wasn't what I was, it wasn't what I, the, it wasn't the answer I was looking for. And a lot of their answers, well, when I asked Jesus into my life and in my heart, you know, I was filled with joy. Uh, I was filled with peace. This changed, and I, this desire changed, and you know, I'll, I'll, like our emotional experiences. But that's not really what I'm asking. I'm asking what changed at the deepest part of you, the deepest core of who you are as a being. So let's read 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says, therefore, and the, the reason that it's therefore it's, a bad, it's bad to really start verses at therefore because it's saying it, this is therefore because of what was said previously. So it's therefore because it's talking about for the love of Christ compels us, verse 14, that if Christ died, then, then he died for one, then he died for all. And essentially, essentially that's what it's saying, that we regard no one after the flesh, but after the Spirit, talking about the ministry of reconciliation, how God made peace with us to bring us in. So, that's the reason that it's there for. You can read it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You know that when you say yes to Jesus, when you surrender your life, you make him Lord, you surrender your rights, you give him your life, you become a new creation. Like you become, literally, you become a different kind of being. Right? It says, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Like the, and this is Paul writing this. Remember the one, the, the, the one who was named Saul, who is persecuting Christians. And Christians were losing their life because of his past. And Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He was able to grab a hold of what God, what Jesus had provided on the cross, that God wipes away your sin by his blood. He forgives you of all your sin, your iniquities, and he, and he gives you a new life. He fills you with His Spirit and He gives you a new heart. And He changes everything on the inside of you. That as He is, so are we in this world. But again, as we sh the slide in the beginning, there seems to be a disparity between what we're experiencing and what the Word of God promises. And so, go to that. So remember this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So, yeah, spirit, soul, and body. So to quickly just explain, so this is, this is the type of being that you are. Being being the nature or essence of a person. Spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, your whole spirit and soul and body. There's three clear distinctions of what kind of being that you are. It's popular that a lot of people just believe that you are just a body and you are just a soul. But there is a part of you that, uh, where the Spirit makes up part of who you are as well. And so looking at 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old has passed away. Behold, 
the new has come, we can eliminate some things that, was your body made new? Did you get like crazy hair that came out when you said yes to Jesus? Were you, did you become taller or shorter or whatever? Your physical appearance and the things of the physical part of you did not change. Can we all agree on that? Unless you received a supernatural healing, that would be awesome. And that could happen. And then your soul, the part of you where your mind, will, emotions, where that lives, did that, did that automatically change? And what I mean by that is like the Word of God says that you know all things. Like when you got born again, all of a sudden did you understand quantum physics? Probably not, right? And Yeah, still working on that. Yeah. So we can just, you know, just by, by going through this process, we can understand that the part of us that, that permanently changed wasn't our body or our soul, but it was the spirit. And all through Scripture, all through Scripture, I wish I had the time. That's why I'm doing the Bible study. So if this feels like a buckshot of information Come to the Bible study. Everybody is welcome to come. And we're going to dive into this subject for 24 weeks this year. And so we can understand that what changed in us is the spirit, right? And so um, let's go to so the soul and the body. Let's go to that slide 10. Um, here's another definition for being. A person is a being that has certain capacity. This is like you just Google the definition being. A person is a being that has certain capacities or attributes such as reason, morality, consciousness, or self-consciousness. But that definition is only referring to the body and soul. Do you know that a lost person is not just a body and a soul? That a lost person still has a spirit, but that spirit hasn't been quickened or made alive with the Spirit of God. Right? We, there is a spiritual reality in this world. Do you, uh, you understand that there is darkness, there's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. And so if we're not born again, then that spirit that's not been made new according to his spirit, that spirit is subject to sin. It's all in Romans 5 that we, the spirit that hasn't been made alive it's, it's subject to sin. It's subject to the God of this world. Am I right? Is there evidence of that? Yes, there is, because this world is crazy, and this world is being influenced by the devil and God and those that choose to trust on Jesus. And so we live in this world, and it's very clear that we are not just a soul, and a body. And it's so important for us to understand this so that we can understand our identity. You know, I was watching a video of unlikely animal friends. And there's a pig that was raised with cats. <laughs> and, the cat, and the pig started purring like a cat. Do not be a pig that purrs like a cat <laughs> or the other way around. Because when you hang around, you know, they say, oh, it's not important who you hang out with. Yes, it is, because you're going to become like the people that you surround yourself with. You want to surround yourself with people who believe in who they are in Jesus and walk the, and walk the walk and talk the talk. So... Okay, so soul, so the body as, is the physical part of you, right? The five senses, touch, sight, hearing, smell, and taste. And now you have the soul, which is the mental, emotional part of you. It's your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings, your conscience. And so you can, um, you can feel both your body and your soul, but your spirit cannot be accessed in any natural way. And what I mean by that, I can come up to you and I can touch your shoulder 
and I can physically touch you. You can experience that in your body, right? So I can touch you in that way. Or I could say mean things to you. Or I could say good things to you. And right, in that way I can touch your soul, correct? Right? Or when life happens, life, a storm comes in life. Life can touch you. It can touch your emotions. It can touch your feelings. It can touch that part of you. But you are not just a soul and a body. There's a part of you that is spirit, and it can't be accessed in any natural way. And so you can take an inventory, like in your body, if you're feeling tired, or you're feeling worn out, or you're feeling a a caffeine rush, right? You can take, how many of you know you can take an inventory of your body, right? And see how you're feeling, right? And so you can also take an inventory of your soul and your emotions, what you're feeling, what's going on in your heart, right? You can take an inventory and find out where you are in your soul. I mean, we need our soul to be restored like it's talked about in Psalm 23, right? He restoreth my soul. We need some restoration in our souls, right? But am I, um, let me go to the next uh, slide, the target graphic. So, just to help you understand what soul and body is. I'm sorry, yes, that one. Let's go to the back to the spirit one. So the spirit part of you. This is the spiritual part of you. It's the innermost part where that's where you're righteous. That's where you're holy. That's where the fruits of the spirit. We think, oh, I got the joy of the, joy of the Lord. Like the joy of the Lord, it only comes from his spirit. And like the joy of the Lord wouldn't be like if you're experiencing the joy of the Lord and then somebody cuts you off in traffic and it's like, whoop, there it goes. Joy of the Lord, it's gone. I'm going to bring it back in. No, the joy of the Lord would, would supersede that, somebody cut in, cut in front of you. So that's where the, also where we talked about the power of God, the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. So we have to understand how to get the spirit part of us to flow into our mind, our will, our emotions, the physical part. So go to the target graphic, slide 12. So this is just another way to illustrate this. The spirit being the innermost part of you, it touches the soul, and the soul touches the body. So go to, is there a slide with all three of them again? Go back to that slide, spirit, soul, and body. And so we see that those are connected, right? You can't go to get what's in your spirit to your body without going through your soul. And so they're all connected. And so when you get your spirit and your soul, meaning your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, in agreement with what the Word of God says, it'll flow into your whole entire being. And see, when I heard the truth of who I was in Christ, I heard the truth that in me was not a drug addict. In me was the righteousness of God because I had believed on the name of Jesus. And when I began to believe that truth by faith, it began to change what was happening in my soul and in my body. It began to change every aspect of my life, my desires for anything. And so we have to understand that we're a spirit. Man, I'm running out of time. I just, man, we need to know this. Am I saying our emotions bad? Emotions are not bad. Emotions are never created to lead us. They're meant to be indicators to where we should turn. Emotions are never meant to indicate to us what the Word of God says. Never meant to indicate what is true. And so emotions aren't bad. Proverbs 16.25 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You know that you can, there can be a way that seems right. You can go to your soul. You can go to your emotions and say, I feel a peace about it. But you need the Word of God to be your direction and your clarification when you step into truth. 
a way that seems right to a man. Well, I think it's right. Ooh, yeah, that's a dangerous road right there. You don't want to just think it's right. You want to know that it's right. And you want to have the, the Holy Spirit confirm that to your spirit. Is life speaking louder than God's words? Just quickly, you know, I shattered my heel two years ago, falling 20, 25 feet rock climbing. The diagnosis I was given was that I needed a plate in my foot and I needed 11 screws. But because I had the Word of God, and it's not to put a chip on my shoulder, it's to give you an, an illustration, an example, that if the Word of God is planted in your life, what happened was when that diagnosis came, God had given me a word that He brings all things together in Him. Colossians 1.17. And I stood on that word. And two weeks, later, two weeks later, the doctor said, I don't know how it's possible. Your whole heel has come back together. Shattered in pieces. And so that's an opportunity where we can let life and diagnosis, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You better know that it's God. <laughs> you better know that it's inspired by His Word and His truth because you don't want to step out in something like that if you're not sure and confident in it. But I had a confidence in, on the inside of me, and I received persecution from loved ones and family members. What are you doing? You're never going to be able to walk the same. They say you're going to never be able to run, never be able to rock climb again, never be able to do this. But you have to have this word sown in your heart so that when the storm comes, you have something to anchor your life on. When we try to anchor the truth, and when the storm comes, man, creates a lot of heartache. But when the word's been planted there, we can receive victory. And I'm going to end with this because I've gone long. I'll say this. Uh, perspective only changes through relationship. So again, all this comes down to is experiencing Jesus, is walking in relationship with Him, understanding that as He is, so are we in this world, and understanding that there is a difference between who we are in the Spirit and what's going on in our soul and our body, and if we can understand God's Word from the perspective of who we are in the Spirit, it literally unlocks and changes everything. That His Word unfolds into our lives. James 1.22, last verse. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Verse 24. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in this doing. And I say that to say this, that verse is saying that this is your mirror. You can't go by, if you, go, if, you, if you didn't have a mirror and you just go by how you feel and you run out the door checking your hair, feeling it, your hair could be all crazy different directions. You can't go by how you feel. You got to look in the mirror to see, Right? You have to trust in that. And we have to look into this word and we have to know that this is our mirror of who we are spiritually. And we look at this. We won't just be hearers of the word. If we intently look at this, it says there's a man who forgets what he looks like. And that would be in our encouragement that we will not forget. We will not forget what we look like because there's a world that needs us to consistently look into the mirror of this word to find out who we are and who we belong to. There are a lot of hurting people in the church and outside of the church. They're not going to come in these doors. We have to go reach out and share the gospel with them.
A lot of people have been hurt by church, been hurt by religion. We have to walk in our identity as Jesus followers, disciples of him, living by his word and living by his teaching. But guess what? You don't have to, we don't have to do it in our own strength. There is a grace. That's what I'm learning in my life, and I'm smiling saying it because it's so good. There's a grace available to each one of us. There's a grace for us to surrender and lay down our lives for him. And all that we do, make him the preeminent one, first place. And I'm telling you, it's not a struggle. It's not an obligation. It's not a burden. It's a privilege and it's freedom and it's joy and it's righteousness and it's peace. It's living with a pure and clean conscience, empowered by his spirit, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Not just what happened to us when we got saved, the word of our testimony being the life that we live. Hmm. That where you're just like a, you're like a light to, to bugs. That they just can't help themselves but be drawn to you. You know, that'll happen in your life. When you understand this truth and you understand the gospel and you just open your hearts and you just surrender. So Father, man, Jesus, thank you. I know I went long, but I thank you. God, that each word that had a landing place in each person's heart today. God, I thank you that it, would, that it would bear fruit, God, that the seed that's been planted were your words, Father. And I just thank you for just using my mouthpiece to speak your word, your truth. And God, I just thank you that we get a revelation of this. God, so that we don't have to experience the, the disconnection of feeling separated from what from you, Jesus, that we could, we could have the bridge there to just, just walk across and walk into everything that you have for us. So God, we bow our knee and we just thank you and we just honor you and we just love you. And I just want to encourage you right now, make a decision. It, you, have, you, you have to respond. You have to respond in your heart. Right now, if this is ringing true, I just want you to say, I believe you, God. I trust you, God. I give it all to you. I give you my heart today. And I thank you for the grace, your supernatural ability that lives on the inside of me to live my life this way. Amen. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.